Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss what leadership looks like in the modern insurance business. We talk to insure tech leaders and founders, innovators and change agents from the insurance industry. We also talk to thought leaders from outside the industry, such as organizational psychologists, performance coaches and investment professionals. Anyone who can add value to the conversation on how to lead insurance businesses of the future. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky to be joined by Daniel, CEO of Avari. Uh, Daniel, good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Alex, yeah. really Thank you. Well, I'm saying good morning, but we just discussed that it's, uh, it's 8 p.m. where you are. And, um, you're calling us uh, from Australia. Um, I think you're our first Australian guest. I don't you you know you're not our first Australian guest. You're our first Australian guest based in Australia. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's we like we like first on here. So <laughs> you can have that accolade. <laughs> we, we talk about a bit what's happening down under and a bit what's happening uh, in in other markets as well. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, look. Um, before um, we get further into the podcast, love to hear about um, what Vari does and 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 uh, yeah, the purpose of the business. Yeah, great. So just just a, a quick background of me. I'm 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 the insurance guy out of out of the three founders. Uh, I was the CEO for uh, Zurich Insurance for Australia New Zealand uh, before I took on this role. And and when I came out of that, joined with my two co-founders, uh, Brack and Rob, uh, who started. We all started in Australia, and, and they both now uh, have moved to London. So we're mm-hmm. a, a London and Australian based uh, uh, insurtech. Uh, and, and what we do at Avari is we we offer the full end-to-end uh, insurance in the cloud. Uh, so it's a full end-to-end uh, uh, quote bind uh, rate policy administration, uh, so that so that it's completely flexible uh, for insurers to use however they want. Mm, perfect. Yeah, and I and I I want to I really want to dig into that, but I think before I do, um, and as you rightly pointed out, I've, I've I've sent you a question which I've jumped to really missing an important part of the journey. Um, and you know, it is a business that's kind of um, yeah, it's not the business you started out with uh, right back when. So I kind of wanted to know, um, you know, what was the business as, as you started out, and then obviously you know as it's as it's evolved to what it is today. Yeah, that's great. Look, so so really, I, we, we came at this whole uh, problem for InsureTech from a small business angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, my history at, uh, at Zurich was Zurich, Zurich was uh, number one small business insurer in, in Australia. So I had a, had, a, had a bit of experience in that. And, and when I was the CEO, I went out to as many claim situations as I could. And I was uh, really amazed at one, one big flood event where, uh, where a customer was so annoyed with this insurance. And I thought, you know, we are the only company at Zurich that, that covered uh, flood insurance for small businesses. And I said, how can you be cranky? Um, you know, we're, we're the only ones covering it. We're going to have a big loss here. Um, and as, as I looked into the circumstance, uh, you know, our, our assessor had been out there and said, uh, look, the customers insured for about half a million Aussies, so about two hundred fifty thousand uh, pounds, and there was at least one point six million Aussie worth of damage, so uh, you know, sort of eight hundred thousand pounds worth of damage. So, you know, and for a small business, that's devastating. I mean, if mm. someone like you or I just lost half a million pounds because they've got the wrong number on their insurance uh, mm. policy, so so we 
we and, and my two co-founders had similar similar challenges uh, in 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 their experience about you know insurance not being flexible. So the first product we came out with was to link into cloud accounting, so that um, we could take the data from the cloud accounting and and update it in the in the insurance process and make that make the insurance fully flexible. Mm-hmm. So we linked into uh, QuickBooks uh, and the Australian local version called MYOB. Uh, and, and we set it up and we and to do that, we decided we needed to change the whole insurance system. Right? We weren't going to just start with the front end. We wanted to do the whole policy administration system. Mm-hmm. So we did that and our, and our first product, we thought, wow, this is, this is great. You know, a lot of people were very excited about the product. Um, but I've got to say the challenge we had was that customers didn't buy it because they said, right. well, who's Avari? And, uh, and you want to have my cloud accounting data? Like, you know, I don't know who you are. Um, so, so we really, we, 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 then, we then went into another product for uh, uh, what we call in Australia tradies and professionals. Mm-hmm. So uh, contractors, carpenters, um, electricians, plumbers, uh, people like that. And, and what, what we did with that is we, we, had a, we had a pause feature on that. So we still had flexible insurance uh, so I could change, but we actually gave the responsibility back to the, back to the insured to change their insurance. So uh, we attracted a lot of customers who, who only wanted to insure for like for three days a week. We had a lot of people working sure. on Monday to Wednesday. They'd turn their insurance on on Monday morning and they'd turn it off on Wednesday night. Or, or they'd go on holidays and they'd, they'd turn it off for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and again, that, that was the, the ability of our platform to make, to make insurance flexible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we had both those products, other, other insurance businesses looked at us and said, wow, we like what you're doing. Uh, can we license your technology? Yep. So we, we we were a direct to small business insurer in Australia as a, as a, as a Lloyd's cover holder, uh, sort of an MGA, uh, and we call them underwriting agencies in, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're an MGA, uh, but then we then we said, oh, well, we're actually, we can make this a SaaS business. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and actually our, our first SaaS customer, we, we, we met in Fenchurch Street in London. Uh, so our first customer from a SaaS perspective was actually based in Chicago, uh, so we sort of went from doing stuff in Australia to doing stuff in the US. So the, the first mm. product uh, that we had on our SaaS platform was uh, earthquake uh, landslide and flood insurance in four West Coast states. Oh, wow. um, and uh, so it was great being able to say that, you know, uh, Californians can buy earthquake insurance from software developed in Australia. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and in that, in that process, we, we, uh, you know, we built our SaaS platform. So that was sort of, version two of our platform. Version one was our MVP, which we, we offered through our MGA. Um, version two was our SaaS platform. And, you know, we used a, obviously everything in the cloud. We used a microservices approach. Uh, it was all API enabled, uh, but we didn't have event streaming at the core. That, that was really a mm-hmm. challenge from a technical point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also didn't build, you know, we didn't fully separate the configuration layer from the platform layer. So we had mm-hmm. business logic in the application layer, which, which you know, we, we were warned about this, which is as you scale, you start to get spaghetti. Um, yep. yeah. so, so what we did is we actually rebuilt our platform for a third time with event streaming at the core. Uh, and we then had a clear distinction between the application layer and the configuration layer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what this has enabled us to do then is to we could have multiple different insurers on our platform with their own configuration. So they can still program their own competitive advantage into that configuration. Uh, and, and we sort of range from low code, uh, no code to, uh, uh, to, to, to some code, depending on what, on what a customer wants. So mm. really a composable approach where they, 
where insurers can say, well, this is what I want. You know, I want to take the standard for this, but I want mine for this, or I want, you know, it's still a microservices approach so they can, they can take the friction out of implementation. So we've got, you know, one customer who still uses their old pricing engine um, uh, and, and uses, uses our, our, our SaaS platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that business now become a big business for us. You know, we operate, um, you know, our, our business is based in the UK and Australia, and we've got customers also in the US. So we're sort of operating across three, uh, three countries. Uh, mm. And fortunately for us, someone came and made us an offer for our, uh, our, our direct small business insurance. Um, so we've now sold that business. Um, so our pivot has worked. We've actually exited yep. part of the business. I was going uh, to ask you, to, sorry, just to interrupt, Daniel, but I was going to ask you about that um, that piece. Like how long was that process from saying, right, this is our business model to now we're going to focus on the software? What, what was that? Because it won't have been the first conversation you had saying, oh, your software is quite cool. Like, oh, great, we're going to pivot. You know, I'm just interested about pivots, about how long that took and, and how much of it was driven by more opportunity or, or, or kind of maybe an underwhelming performance of the, the initial uh, business idea. What was that kind of journey like to make that yeah. decision? Yeah, well, it was really because we look, we had this opportunity uh, in in the US to to be able to offer our SaaS platform, mm-hmm. and we thought if we could if we could you know manage manage across three locations and deal with the compliance and and the taxes and all those sort of things, um, and as we got as we got further into that, we realised that this is going to be a big business. Um, yeah. So we were we were actually you know look every every startup is capital constrained. You know you've got it you've mm-hmm. got it you know. And, and, and also the founders only have a certain amount of time every day. And, you know, I yeah. was the, not surprisingly, I was the licensee uh, here. So, you know, here I'm dealing with a lot of compliance stuff. And, and uh, so when, when someone did approach me, we went, oh, great, we can actually focus on one business. Yeah. Um, so, look, it, 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 it took a while, but I've got to say that the great thing is because the three of us managed an insurance business, mm. you know, my, my two co-founders weren't from insurance, uh, you know, Brax, the technical co-founder, uh, Rob was the head of risk at a bank, so he comes with a risk background, mm-hmm. but not an insurance background. So we ran that business for a number of years. So we really got to understand well what what are, what do customers want, what are the complexities, what does what does the capacity want, um, and and dealing with all all those compliance issues. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, look, it was a great thing to be able to do that, but then but then pivoting actually took probably took two years. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's not like you wake up one day and go. Right, I've changed. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I thought. It's, it's, it's a slow sort of burn. Um, I mean, I, I I shared briefly with you that I didn't go into it, but you know, my business has pivoted three times. You know, I I I was running a search business with a partner. We decided we wanted different things, so I spun out because we'd already we already had this business called FinPro Analytics that's going to focus on data science that we were just going to invest in and not work in. So then I had a website, so I went, well, I'll go with that. And then I dropped the analytics bit and focused on insurance. And then, and then three years ago, I specialized in InsurTech. And, but that's kind of more of an evolution. But even that took, you know, it, it took some time and thought. Uh, aside from going, right, I mean, it's the equivalent of me going, actually, I'm going to build a CRM system for recruitment. Um, you know, it's, it, it is a big shift. Um, but I, I think it's really interesting. I wanted to just touch on your team there as well, because what do you think that this says about successful entrepreneurial teams and, and the way that they're built up? What do you think that says, that process of pivoting and um, that's different to, you know, you've, you've had big, good, you know, you have a very large corporate jobs and, and the corporate environment. Um, just wanted to get your take on, you know, what do you think that says about entrepreneurial teams? Look, I think, I think for entrepreneurial teams, you really have to, take every opportunity that comes up 
and, yeah. and, and be open to opportunities. And look, look for, for us, serendipitous meetings have been a big thing about what we do. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I met my co-founder, well, like I, I didn't know my two co-founders at all before, before we started this. I met, really? I met, I met Rob uh, at San Francisco Airport. We were both in the valley who uh, are researching our insurance ideas. And I literally, we came off the same Qantas flight and we met in, uh, in San Francisco airport. And, uh, you know, I've actually been on the, been on the tube uh, between Heathrow and the city uh, and uh, someone recognised me who, who was Australian. And, you know, so we interviewed that guy and goes, Look, these serendipitous meetings, we go, they're happening for a reason the, the uh, so, so really, our pivot was was really being being open to the fact that there's an opportunity here, and then and then spending enough time on that opportunity to be able to see whether it's a real opportunity, but also, you know, saying no quickly too, because there are some mm. things you do. You just go, well, I thought that was a good idea, but it's not really. Um, and and I think that the great thing, uh, you know, I would find it hard to be a, a single founder. I mean, I think I think having three people to, to, to have ideas. Uh, also, we come from three very different backgrounds. We, we, the three of us think differently, but we talk, uh, you know, all the time. Um, and even, even though we're in three different locations and the, and the craziness of the last two years, mean we haven't actually seen each other face to face for two years. Uh, we, we just, you know, we, we, we're able to go, well, what about this? Let's change. You know, we, and, and, and some people go away for a holiday for a week and come back and go, well, that changed. Oh, well, mm. that's what you want to start up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that flexibility is fascinating. It's such a strange environment to be in. Um, it feels still feels alien to say, oh, you haven't been in the same place. But then, you know, I, I'm thinking back and in the last two years, all of my biggest clients I've never met face to face, which was so alien to me two years ago, but it's, it's not the case anymore. But um, um, I wanted to ask you as well about timing. So you know, you've got great CV, going great guns in the corporate world. Um, why why now? Why, why was it for you like this point in time that you thought, other than serendipitous meetings with uh, <laughs> strangers in airports and on tubes? But yeah, why was it specifically now? <laughs> Look, I, and I think it was because we're really driven by the customer. You know, the yeah. customer... Yeah, I have a firm belief that, look, it's the insurance industry that has to change. And, and that change has to come, that, that change will come from within and from with, and, and, and from, from outside as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but insurance is, is, you know, insurance is quirky. And if you've, you, know, you don't get capacity, you don't get a license unless you've had some experience. So, so for me, it was about, you know, the, the, the industry has to embrace customer, uh, the customer more. We have to be more customer friendly. Um, that change has to come from within, uh, and and really for me, once you know, once I decided to do it, it's like, well, this this is what I'm passionate about. Let let let's go for it. Um, and also, you know, in in I've, I've been fortunate to be on uh, a number of industry uh, associations, uh, and and the thing that I've been passionate about is is how do we attract more people to the industry? Uh, because you know you. You ask how many people fell into the insurance industry, and you know, hand up, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but now with InsureTech, we're, we're actually bringing people who want to come in here because they go, "Hey, look, this is an exciting area to be. I can I can apply my my, my different skills to to this market." Um, yeah, look, I, I just think that the all these things are coming together. Um, I also went to the first uh, InsureTech Connect conference uh, in Vegas, uh, and. 
And I went there and there were only a thousand people at the first one, which is still a big number. Uh, mm. But it was just like, wow, this thing's just starting. You know, mm. this is exciting. How do we how do we get into this and how, how do we how do we do it in a in a in a, in a thoughtful way? Mm. I think it is um well, well, I mean, obviously I think it's exciting. I'm very biased on that. Um, and I'm also very jealous of trying to get to the InsureTech Connect. I, I worked out the only way I could do it. So I had to go to another country for two weeks first and then fly into Vegas, which I would have done, but I actually had a, a trip to Portugal planned. So, and I, I just couldn't work it out this year. So I'm, I'm hoping to get out there because it looks brilliant because there's certainly not only a thousand people there now. Um, oh, that's right. that but, yeah. And, and the first one, we, we met our capacity, we met investors. We, it was just like, everyone's ready to go. You know, I, yeah. I went, I actually went from there straight to, um, uh, straight to straight to London, uh, and we, we negotiated a capacity sort of really? that, uh, that meeting, which was which was good. Yeah, so it's yeah, great 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 connections made there. Fantastic. Yeah, it's it, it's still. I mean, I think that's the thing. I mean, like, look, distance working is works. Remote working, these calls. I think one of the things I've talked about a lot um, to people anecdotally is just that I think our skills have got better on on conference calls. You know, like we. There used to be this awkward formality and no one knew how to do it. But now it's so commonplace that you can build rapport over these. You know, it's, 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 it's would we all like to be face to face? Probably. Yes, we would. But um, I, I don't believe that you can't. Um, but yeah, I think these um, uh, communities are really, really important. Uh, and I want to ask you about that, actually, because I know you've got a role in um, InsureTech Australia. But um, I, I just wanted to sort of jump back a bit as well to um, Ivari. Um uh, but one thing that came up when you were talking about sort of co-founders, like obviously when you when your first iteration of the business, your um, it's 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 not a pure tech play; it's more of a traditional kind of MGA product base. Um, how did you feel about that as someone that's got bringing sort of the insurance smarts, and then you're building more of a tech business? I just you know very personal question, but I was like, was there ever an element of insecurity because you're a bit more out of your comfort zone or was that an exciting bit or how did you feel about that because uh, you know to a certain extent you might go okay I know less about this new iteration than I do the previous iteration so you know yeah I wondered how you thought about that yeah look I, I think the uh, so so when, when we started out we, we always wanted to have flexible insurance as the core so we always mm. decided that we were going to rebuild the whole policy administration system mm. and that was that was one of the early meetings I had with, with my co-founders where, where I sort of did the traditional insurance thing which is you know so which policy administration system will we use you know um, and they said no, no no we're going to build our own I'm going we're going to build your own there's a whole bunch of uh, you know dead businesses who've tried to build their own in the past mm. uh, and, and 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 now actually we've done that so um, it's really it's really through through understanding what what my co-founders have been driving from the tech point of view, and and uh, yeah, look, I think I think pivoting now to a to a more of a SaaS business, you know, it's, it's still insurance. You know, we're still offering lots of insurance, so it's um, so it's really it's really good when we've got someone like you know, I, I understand the challenges that insurance executives have, mm-hmm. uh, and I understand the challenges of the you know dealing with a regulator and and you know dealing with a lot of people issues and uh, dealing with head office and you know and, and but at the same time we've got really smart tech people with us who we can go and say look we can change your tech you know you can really get to the point where you know you can meet your business objectives you can have a better loss ratio you can have a better combined ratio. Uh, by, 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 by driving the technology, but you can also have much happier customers 
mm. uh, and that those those things together are going to lead to a better business outcome. So, so it's really the combination of the tech mm. and the insurance. Mm. And the tech's just an enabler. I mean, really, at the end of the day, we're, we're about how, how do we better service customers, mm. um, which everyone in the industry wants to do. So, Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think that's a really important point. I mean, um, I, I think the reason I, I asked you that question is because we, we did the Female Leaders in Insurance Technology webinar, and one of the things that came up was, you know, I was asked, like, common misconceptions about, um, getting a role in InsureTech. And, and one of my things was that you had to get comfortable with, you get these really smart tech people, you come across with your insurance knowledge. And to some extent, a lot of that you can hardwire built into the technology. So, right, you sort of uploaded, almost uploaded some of your knowledge base, but then you have to get comfortable having this like much broader um, experience because as in your business, to start with, you are the insurance guy. So if there's an insurance question, doesn't matter if you're more claims in your background or more underwriting, um, you know, if there's a question in insurance, you're the person that people look to to answer it. Now, obviously, you know, if they're having a C-suite role top down, you had, you had that kind of 360 view. Um, but a lot of people, that's the challenge is that because we love siloing people in insurance. You know, you have your very siloed specific role. Then you, you go into an insure tech and, it, and it's you have to adopt broad skills and, and you have to be willing and wanting to sort of adopt and, and change and learn new stuff. And, um, uh, and that, yeah, it's something that came out. So, you know, someone with, with your resume and, and obviously being a founder, I just, I was interested to see how that, uh, how that pivot kind of changed. Um, talking about Vari, um, I think we described it as like a complete system. So I kind of wanted to know, um, firstly, you know, I, I know what I think it probably means, but I don't want to kind of uh, guess. And, and, but in terms of a kind of complete offering end to end, um, you know, what, how do you define it and what does it cover? And then, and then also, like, why was that important to you to build that rather than, like, for example, one part of the process? Yeah. Well, really, really, we went, you know, I mean, the way, the way to best describe it is we went, we went to the core of the Polish administration and, and yep. made sure that we built, we built the quote, the rating, the bind, uh, the, the 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 claims, the first notification of loss, um, and yeah, we do we do we do uh, you know we do the the financial part of the claims process. So we're not, we're not a project management system, sure. but we could we could uh, we could design that on, on our system as well. Um, and, and and the reason why we had to go. So I, I, what I see is a lot of front ends that still have the dinosaur at the back end, mm-hmm. uh, and and we've got a fundamental belief that the only way we're going to get true innovation right the way across the, the insurance value chain is by changing the having the ability to change the technology across the whole value chain, mm-hmm. uh, so that so that you can you know you can use data. I mean that's why the event the event sourcing the event streaming way of, of, of programming is so important because you use the same data right the way through the pro- process. So so that that informs the way that the customer experience. Uh, is going to be at the front end, but it also informs uh, how the pricing should be. It should also inform, you know, what what, what the after sale service is, uh, and the after sale service only comes after you have the policy administration because you need to have the documents. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so really, we we wanted a completely flexible approach so that we could work with with people in insurance companies who really wanted to drive innovation but didn't have the tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I know that myself. I know I've been I've been an underwriter in pain. I mean, that's. That they were the people we were looking for first were underwriters in pain. People who were yeah. people who knew that they could make a better a better result from their underwriting portfolio, but just the system didn't let them. They had data, but they couldn't use it. Mm. Uh, or, or they they knew what the customer wanted in in a different way. They wanted to introduce new policy terms, 
but it just took too long to actually program them in the system. So, uh, so really, we we wanted, and, and we came from an underwriter's point of view at first, but also from a, from a customer's point of view, going, how can we get better policies out there? How can we get more flexible insurance? How, how do we get it so the customer is just insured? Because that's that's really where we want to be in the end. Is just you know, you go and buy something and then you make a decision as a customer, do I want that fully insured or partly insured? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I also firmly believe that a lot of our claims challenges in our industry are because we didn't sell it right in the first place. And that's why you have to, you have to know all the way through the chain so that you get the right customer experience at the front end, the customer buys the right product, they pay the right premium, you get the right returns on the underwriting portfolio. And when the claim comes, you just pay. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and we know in the industry that we pay the vast majority, like 98% of claims, the customers don't feel that because they, don't, they feel like we're trying to diddle them at the front end. So really, that, that's why we, had to, we wanted to do the whole system. I'm, I'm going on about the customer experience, obviously, because that's so important to us. But that's why we wanted to bring flexibility to the whole process rather than have just a front end clicking in an old, an old back end without that flexibility. Mm. Yeah, no, that that's that's something that really resonates with me. And I think, um, you know, we've talked about, funnily enough, we've actually um, I've recorded an episode with someone that's um, doing an insure tech based on vertical SaaS models. Like, um, so it's a, uh, it's a really interesting take um, on embedded. And, and I think, particularly small business owners, we're almost spoilt for choice with the amount of, um, and I know this is uh, this is more kind of small business, you're spoilt for choice with all these technologies you can build in and you can pick and choose your, uh, like for example, I've got a CRM system, I've got a marketing system, I've got other technologies that I plug in, accountancy, et cetera. Um, it's not necessarily helpful, like, like, like even from my own point of view. And, uh, and you flip that on the insurance side as well, that like you say, that they all have to talk to each other, which they do, but they all also have to be efficient and good and use, use realistically when it comes to it. I, I think insurance fundamentally misused the data. Um, and, and I think I shared this with you before, but and I bore people to death with this, but I, I distinctly blown away but how how many times as a small business owner i'm asked how much coverage i want for things i have no idea i have absolutely no idea like what how do i know what the average professional indemnity claim is uh towards someone that runs a headhunting firm i don't know and i'm in the industry so asking me how much cover i want is a is a meaningless question um you know it's it's it's, it's, it's we, and we do this across financial services insurance isn't in the loan it's like when you buy a house and the mortgage and they go well if your house is destroyed how much would it have to be rebuilt <laughs> how do i know absolutely ridiculous. so we kind of put too much i think we put too much on the consumer um and then it's fascinating because we put too much on the consumer at the front end so to, to your extent i think we sell it badly and then at the back end they're disappointed um and you know, the touch points in insurance are hard. You know, the problem with insurance is you buy it and then hopefully never use it. And then if you claim for it, if you then have a bad experience, you know, that's your only experience of insurance ever. Um, so, yeah, I just I just think encouraging more touch points and, and obviously clarity is is something we need to drive towards. Um, do you think it's... Be- Sorry, no, please. Well, that's what we found with our, with our, uh, our product for our tradies and professionals. So that we had... We had, you know, uh, gardeners, electricians, plumbers coming in and, and, you know, one in four of them was interacting with us every month because they were going and doing something on their personal dashboard. Um, they were, you know, either, either providing a certificate of currency to a customer or they were, um, 
you know, going and changing their insurance. So they might get a get a job and they need to increase their liability insurance because the job's bigger, you know, in a school you mm-hmm. need more more mm-hmm. liability insurance than you do on a, on building on a home. And um, and we found that engagement really helped because because customers were going, well, I understand more about my insurance mm-hmm. uh, because I can see it all on my dashboard. Um, and again, to have a dashboard, you need to really control the policy administration process mm-hmm. so that you can provide that data easily in a digital format rather than having to go and call back on an old system and then hopefully get a response within a reasonable time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which... And, and, and the other things you talk about is, is, is all about data. There are so many people working on data. Um, mm. But I think one of the challenges they have is they don't necessarily have the core systems to run it on. Sure. Uh, and, and really, that's why we've gone to the whole, the whole uh, end-to-end process is because you know, we can bring that data in and use it uh, to, to the best of their ability. Or we can help them use it to the best of their ability through our, through our SaaS platform. Mm. Yeah, I... Um... I was looking at the the website and um, my understanding is there's sort of three different themes of your offering, which is like, you know, packages like new products, new markets, and then taking products digital or, or three objectives it might be from the, from the platform. Um, uh, I'm hope I'm reading that right from the website, but um, I wondered if there's been any more sort of demand for those different sort of themes or different agendas over the kind of life cycle of the business. Um if that's clear enough as a question. <laughs> yeah. so, so, we're, so we're really doing, uh, I mean, the, the way that most big insurers are interacting with InsureTech at the moment is, is, is starting, on either, starting on the peripheral products, you know, starting on the smaller portfolios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not too many, uh, you know, big insurance companies that have, that have yet put their homeowners or their, their auto, their motor, motor insurance on, onto an InsureTech platform. Yeah. Um, and, and so what... So and and that's that's where we want to go. We we want we want those products to be on our platform over time. But we know that insurers are inherently conservative, uh, mm-hmm. and what they'll do is they'll start with start with either new products or new markets, uh, and uh, or or taking existing products digital. So so really that that that's why we've we've focused on that. Uh, we you know we we want to get to the core, but we we realise that you know insurers aren't going to get to the core until they try us out for a while. They see other people. Uh, using us more more at the core, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 over time we definitely want to replace uh, core policy administration systems and have all those operating in the cloud with great flexibility. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so, so, so the business so as our business evolves, uh, then 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 we will get into more core core products. And yep. and I think yeah, you know, and you look at the core products at the moment. So many of them are operating on twenty year old technology or thirty year old technology or. Yeah, you know, insurance com- some insurance companies are struggling to still struggling to get their technology out of the basement and into mm. the cloud, uh, and we want them to go the next step and get it get it get into a SaaS platform where uh, you know and that and that process takes time. You know, the, the insurance industry, as I said, is, is inherently conservative. So, mm. you know, we're 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 here for the long journey, uh, and it'll take a while to get all of that in, into in, into a SaaS platform where it should be because it'll be lower costs. For businesses and give them great, 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 uh, 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 fantastic more control. So yeah, yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's. It, there's definitely sort of a move in the right direction and 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 an evolution. But as you were talking, I was thinking. I, re- I remember having this ludicrous conversation with a one of the world's largest reinsurance companies, and they were and they were. Um, I put a new person in there, a very senior person on the claim side, and um, he said. Uh, Alex, the system can't produce accurate loss data. And, and essentially, and I was like, where, where are they getting it from? And they went, oh, we asked the brokers. 
<laughs> you know, and you're thinking, all right, well, uh, okay. And it was just, it was the system was failing. And, and it was because they were running on like such old tech and such bad tech. And I'm, and I'm sure that's changed now because that was, I mean, it's probably seven years ago or something, but it was, yeah, seven years ago, still wasn't acceptable. Um, but it's fascinating how kind of slowly these things kind of move. But, but as you say, it's, it is risk aversion. Um, we've, you know, little bites prove the worth and go in. Um, what's the kind of, um, product markup, uh, sort of markup makeup, um, you know, uh, working with like new digital sort of MGAs or, or, or big in carriers or who, who, what, what, who's a typical partner for you uh, in, in Avari, if there is a typical one or, um, or is there a bit of a mix? Well, for, fortunately, there's a bit of a mix. Uh, yeah. we're, we're dealing with, um, so we're dealing with, with a full range of uh, from personal customers uh, through, you know, sorry, with insurers dealing with personal customers uh, through, to, through to mid-sized corporates. Um, mm-hmm. So we've got, you know, one, one customer is asking, they're asking 400 questions and doing multiple properties and multiple, multiple, um, uh, multiple assets, uh, you know, for, for mid-sized corporates. And then we're, you know, we've got small business, uh, so we've got personal customers. Uh, and then we're, we're dealing with, uh, you know, some, some life, we're mainly, mainly general insurance, mainly non-life, uh, but, um, you know, a full range of whether that's Lloyd's cover holders or whether it's, uh, you know, um, uh, fully regulated insurers. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's really, it's really a combination uh, of of customers, and 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 really that's. I mean, we, we've done that purposefully too because we wanted to prove that we could we could operate in in a broad range. Sure. A lot of people come to us and say, "Oh, you're just small business insurance." And I say, "Well, you know, that that that's a good place to start because it's a very underserviced market." Uh, but you know, um, but we can definitely do personal insurance and and, and definitely do uh, you know mid market corporate. Uh, mm. Yeah, the SME space is is the great unloved, isn't it? Because it's it's a it's a huge amount of uh, premium volume, um, but it's um, because of that volume. It, it, if it's inefficient, it's not profitable, and therefore you can't invest the time and care. And I, one of the things that I've um, been quite slow on the uptake on, if I might, I must admit, um, was was how important it was to you know. I think, I think there's always going, oh, right, brilliant, we can be more efficient, we can save, we can save, we can make more money. Uh, but it's like, we can be more efficient, we can spend more time with our customers. Yeah, we can get them to, we can get them to love insurance a little bit more. Um, um, yeah, and, and, I, and I don't think there's been enough focus from me on that. And I don't think that, I don't think there's been enough focus on the industry from that, because, you know, someone came onto the um, on podcast um, and said that the insurance industry is built around one customer and that was the broker. Um, and uh, I, I, I debate whether that's fair. I might ask you whether you think that's a sort of a fair comment. I think it was uh, uh, you know, slightly barbed, but I kind of understood what they meant by it. Yeah, well, look, a, a broker is a professional buyer and, and some of the systems are definitely set up for professional buyers rather yeah, than Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I, I think the brokers, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the insure tech will be the end of the brokers, but look, customers still need advice. You know, this is a complex yeah. area. Um, yeah. What the brokers want, the brokers want tools to make it easy. I just like the customers want tools to make it easy. And there's some, mm-hmm. some level of customers where, you know, it's just, not, it's just not valuable for a broker to be involved. The broker doesn't want to be involved in a, uh, you know, 500 pound, uh, uh, insurance policy because they can't they can't make the money on it you know yeah, they want to spend, spend their time on a five thousand pound or a ten thousand pound insurance policy mm. um, so how do we how do we get a way of servicing that you know that that, that 
you know, that few hundred to a thousand US dollars, you know, worth worth of insurance policies, it, it has to be through technology. Um, mm. And it has to be, to be flexible technology that, that every customer feels like it's them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you're completely right. No, the brokers get a get a bit of a kick in uh, in in the insure tech scene, and um, no, I completely agree. I mean, look, as someone who's essentially a middleman, in that that's that's my business, and every time there's been a, I remember when loads of our clients went out and got Monster, when it was all about advertising. I mean, we've got Monster, we don't need us now. <laughs> okay, uh, three months later, they're like. How do you get through all of these profiles and resumes? And then, and, and it was the same with LinkedIn and, and, and all of these things. They're all tools. You know, you still need someone to give advice and, and manage the journey, um, but it does have an indication on value and volume. You know, you, you're probably going to work on more high value stuff. And, and we've seen that reflected, you know, reflecting on the recruitment market. Most, most recruitment businesses now are only interested in the mid to senior end um, because people are doing the kind of uh, the more kind of day to day stuff themselves. And that makes sense. Uh, and it's the same with the broken community. Um, the juice has got to be worth the squeeze, isn't it? So if, if, if there's smaller accounts, we just, but we need to cater for that by better tech and, and, and efficiency. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about one of your other hats that you wear. Um, you, you're, you're, you're a non-exec at InsureTech Australia. Um, I, I wanted to know about the insurance, uh, tech scene in Australia. Uh, you know, give it, give us a snapshot. Um, what, what's, what's happening? Yeah. Well, look, Australia is a is is quite an interesting country to to have insurtech come out of because you know we there's some, some stats some stats for you you know we're we're the fifteenth largest insurance market in the world so we're not you know we're not we're not the biggest but you know we're we are you know we're fifty fifth ranked by population so fifteenth ranked by insurance so we're, mm. we're we're higher ranked than that uh, and and the challenges we have in this country are, are you know we're geographically diverse uh, you know we've got all the natural disasters you want to you want to think of. You know, at the moment we've got we've got floods and fires happening, uh, and we'll have cyclones before too long. Um, and so there's you know, so we've we've got all the challenges of a, of a major insurance market, but we've got you know an advanced economy. Uh, we've got we've got people who uh, who you know the population take up technology, um, and. Um, and we have a we have a pretty good regulator here too. I mean, actually, another job I, I have is I sit on the uh, uh, one of the government's digital finance advisory panels. Uh, so for, for ASIC, which is the um, uh, sort of the, the, the company's house uh, sort of re- re- regulator equivalent down here, so uh, uh, the Australian Securities and Investment Commission, sort of a, co- a combination of of, uh, of of them and a few other regulators, I suppose. Uh, but but all the Australian regulators turn up to that, and 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 I, we you know I, I represent InsureTech on that. Uh, but obviously, I'm on the, I'm on the uh, board of InsureTech Australia. I helped set up InsureTech Australia. Uh, it's um, it's now in its fifth year. Uh, we've got 80 InsureTech members, uh, and we have a lot of corporate members. And the, the thing that happens well down here because we're not a big market. Everyone knows each other, uh, and what we're finding is that the the corporates and the InsureTechs are working together. Mm. And we're really focused on how do we how do we do stuff in this market and how do we take uh, the best of what we do by the markets, um, which is why we you know we started down under. But when you're in when you're in one percent of the market, you know we're only one percent of the global insurance market. You've got to go somewhere else, which is yeah. obviously for us London. London was the uh, the obvious place to go, uh, so that's why my two co-founders now live there. Um, mm. and, yeah, so 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 what so what we're seeing is we're seeing some some. Uh, some insurtechs now be quite successful. So probably the the best known Australian insurtech is Cover Genius. I don't know if you've, you've, mm-hmm. you've met with those guys. 
Uh, you know, they operate in 60 countries and across all 50 states in the, in the US. Uh, you know, they want to be the world leader in embedded insurance. Um, you know, there's an, another one who's just raised a lot of money here, Honey Insurance, who's bringing device technology to home insurance. Um, and then there's people like us who are taking technology from here, uh, building it for the Australian market and, 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 and taking it offshore. Um, so, yeah, so it's quite a, it's quite a vibrant uh, environment here. Um, the, the, the tech world in Australia is, is growing. Uh, you know, we've got, um, you know, Atlassian's obviously based here. Uh, yeah. You know, the, uh, Can- Canberra's done well. You know, they're, they're both leading, leading the light. Uh, you know, in, in the fintech space, you know, Afterpay was just bought out by, uh, by Square, you know, or Block, they're now called, you know, mm-hmm. Airwalk here. Yeah, in the reg tech space, you know, we're, we're, we're one of the leaders in reg tech in the world. Yeah, so there's a, there's a, there's a, growing, uh, a growing tech community here, and, uh, mm. and particularly in tech and sure tech is, is, is quite strong because uh, mm. that, 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 that's like what happens. Kind of. uh, Atlassian features on, I've done a talk a couple of times on um, attraction, talent attraction in tech space, and Atlassian is featured on every single one I've ever done because they famously did this thing where they... Um, they basically didn't have enough engineers in Australia, so they 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 drove a bus into Europe um, with um, uh, written on the side with we've we've come to steal your geeks written on the side of it, <laughs> and they uh, they had contracts ready to go on the bus. They interviewed people on the bus and they made offers on the spot, and then just shipped everyone to Australia. So, um, but yeah, it's fascinating. It's it is a really vibrant scene actually, because um, you know I'm a bit of a nerd and I, I follow sort of uh, technology as as a as a kind of rule anyway in technology businesses and it's been fascinating to see how much is actually on the go in australia so it's fascinating um to watch the insure tech scene grow um i wanted to ask you one last question i i promise i won't take up any more of your time i um uh, i just wanted to ask about partnerships because you know because it's a smaller scene it's a smaller market how important are partnerships to those sort of insure tech australia um you know do, do you have partnerships with with maybe Instech London or InsureTech UK or, and, and, and I and wanted to get into if any of those have borne specific fruit as well, if you had any sort of success stories out of that at all. Yeah, look, so, so we, we, we were, so InsureTech Australia helped set up the global InsureTech uh, Alliance. Uh, so there are seven, you know, 16 InsureTechs around the world as part of that. Uh, and, and, and we've been driving that, from, you know, look, Australians, as you know, love to travel. So we, yeah. yeah we, We've, uh, we've we've all been to, to to many of these things offshore, and and it it it's actually been really good. So you know the the uh, InsureTech UK guys, InsureTech London guys, the InsureTech London guys, I should say, uh, you know InsureTech New York, uh, um, Hartford, uh, Des Moines, you know the guys in California. So so we're really working across uh, as as an InsureTech working across multiple locations, uh, and and. My, my particular focus on, on, on the board is how do we better integrate with, with what's happening elsewhere? Uh, because, you know, we, we've got some good ideas, but there are some great ideas. Obviously, you know, we're only 1% of the insurance market. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, how, how, do we, how do we leverage the best and how do we work with people? And, and look, the great thing is generally people like to work with Australians. Um, you know, they don't see us as, as a threat. Uh, and and we, we like to work with other people. So, look, I'd say that... Yeah, this is only going to work through partnerships. You know, mm. we're only going to get change in the insurance industry. Customers are only going to get better serviced by insure techs and the incumbents working together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in the Australian scene, 80% of the insure techs want to work with incumbents and only 20% are competing. Um, and probably the, the reason why it's only 20% is because our market's a lot smaller. So 
but you can't be a lemonade here because the market's not big enough. You have to go somewhere mm. else. Mm. Um, as as Cover Genius has with 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 uh, you know being in other markets, um, but most of us are had most of us are focused on how do we build partnerships, how do we leverage those relationships we've got in the industry, how do we build new ones so that uh, um, yeah we can we, we can do stuff across the world. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great rallying cry to end on. I, uh, <laughs> uh, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's fascinating to hear your take on uh, on the insure tech scene, but also um, thank you for walking us through Afari. Um, it's super interesting, and, and particularly sharing that kind of journey on on the kind of pivots and iterations, which um, we don't always get into. I think some people keep them in the dark in the secret, going, "Oh no, we always meant to do this. It's part of the master plan." <laughs> um, so thank you for your sort of transparency there. But um, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I hope when we do get to travel, we'll get a chance to meet in person. But um, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Right. Well, look, and thanks, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's been, it's been great to talk to you, Alex. Thanks, Dan. Take care. All the best. Bye. Bye. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.